Thank you for listening to our podcast. You are very welcome. We're on episode 93. I'm Heather Gorringe and I'm in Lower Blakemere in Herefordshire, a small island off the coast of Preston-on-Wye. And I'm joined today by... Richard, also from Wiggly Wigglers, and sat it curiously in the same place as Heather on the Wiggly sofa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice, isn't it? It is very nice. Just you, just you and I today. Yep, no farmer Phil. He's a bit stressed, isn't he? He is a bit stressed because of the weather. Yeah, yeah. yeah getting yes. the old boy down a bit. Mm. Yes, the problem is that his grass is a bit old. Right. But his hay is non-existent. Oh, I see. Okay, so it hasn't fattened. Is that right? Yes, but also they don't like it. The cattle don't like the grass. Right. But also the hay, he hasn't cut it because it's been raining the whole time. Yeah, sure. And the worst thing is that the BBC weatherman said that it was going to rain at the end of the week. Yeah, that's right. And then the chap changed his mind. Right. And said it wasn't going to rain at the end of the week. Right. So then that meant that he should have cut it. So, although he doesn't want it to rain... Generally, yeah. it would be best if it rained at the end of the week for his soul. Yes, Because yeah. then he could say, I've made the right decision not to cut the hay because yeah. it's rained at the end of the week. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, the weather's just so unpredictable. And those poor guys at the Met Office must have a real problem with being able to forecast even the next few hours, really. It's that changeable. So I don't care about them. It's difficult for farming. I don't care about them. I'll tell you what, you know, it causes major problems for people, dodgy forecasting, dodgy weather forecasting, especially yeah. like for farmers, but also for commercial fishermen. You know, if you're, if you're going out on a boat, if you're taking a group of anglers out there, your livelihood depends on that. On taking those people out, those punters out over the summer. You can't sort of trip because the weather forecast is dodgy and you've got a lovely flat, calm seas. You've lost a whole load of money. And if that happens all the time, then it has massive implications for it. That's just one scenario, you know. There's, there's lots of unfortunate instances where weather forecasts are responsible for all sorts of catastrophes. But don't you think that's why farmers always seem to get on well with fishermen? Because they, oh, they do. Yeah. You, you see a farmer yeah, meet a fisherman, a commercial fisherman, and they just Gel. hit it off. Yeah. And I think it's because they start <laughs> moaning about the right. flipping weather all the time, don't they? Yeah, it's possibly Ooh. what it is. Yeah. They've got something in common in a big way. And then they moan about the price of fish and the price yeah. of beef yeah. and the price of milk. Yeah. There we are. There we are. Now, it's time, Richard. Mm. I mean, this is boss to employee talk. Okay. You know, like a sort of personal development review. Oh, okay. Think of it like that. This, this is, is a, the first one we've ever had. Then. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and in public, too. Yeah, yeah. But I'm serious about this. Okay. You know, I don't think you've taken on board social media. Uh, I think you're possibly right. <laughs> and I think you're Not missing Not to the same out. extent as you have, anyway. No, I think... Although I have, but my understanding isn't quite as good as yours. Social media. <laughs> social what is it? What so is, what is it social media? In your world, love. My, my, the extent of the social media in my world is... is Down tra- pub? Traipsing around the countryside, having chit-chats with great people, talking about, you know, life experiences and things like that. Oh. And then and then having a, a great Thursday morning, invariably a great Thursday morning, and having a rattle with you and Phil, catching up on what we've been up to during, oh. the, during the week. It's sweet, that. Because oddly, thing- we don't get a chance to, chat, to catch up much, do we? 
Well, we're going out, aren't we? The night. When are we going out for a tea party? Oh, tea party. Oh, that's next Thursday night. Lovely. Yes, that'll be good. Yeah, if you'd yeah. like to come, listener, we'll probably be in the Riverside Cafe in Hay on Wye. If you'd all like to come, <laughs> have it's we booked wonderful. a table already? Yeah, up at Glazebury, they do a lovely Italian, fresh pasta, a lot of local produce. Very, very tasty. So if you want to come and join us for the um, team talk, yeah. you'd be more than welcome. Yeah, I look forward to that. Maybe phone first. Maybe you should phone. <laughs> anyway, social media. Now, I just don't think you're taking this on board. No. I set you up with the blog. What happened next? Uh, nothing. nothing. There was, yes, there I was only I one thing I, I asked I you to do. I put a picture of a fish on there recently because I, I was trying to be a little bit disciplined. I had a moment where I thought, oh, I could do that. Hmm. So I did. I went to my blog via your blog just hmm. to see whether it would work. And sure enough, hey, Preston, it came out there as exactly the sort of minimalistic amount of information I put there originally because I was Funny that. been there since. Yeah. And, uh, and I did manage to drag a photo of a fishy and I put it on there, you know. But, uh, but no, I haven't. But you see, you're into this so much. You, you know what's going on. And you, now this recent thing is Facebook. I love Facebook. Yeah. You can find everybody on Facebook and connect with them and see what they're up to and have chats. So I set us up with a Wiggly Wigglers Facebook group. And lo and behold, I've only did it, done it for a couple of weeks, we've got seven discussion topics. And there's two questions from a lady called Jenny Ray that are specifically for you. And so I email you, I invite you to Facebook. <laughs> what happens? Nothing. I would Diddly squat no, happens. No, but I think definitely August will see a new leaf turning in my world. And, and things, you know, things are... I'm plateauing so far as work's concerned. I, I think I can delve into the darkest depths of your your social media world, and I, I'm going to really take on board these things because I mean it's hugely significant, isn't it? I mean, what what is the purpose of Facebook though exactly? What does it do? What does it achieve? What it achieves is connections and communication. And if you look at everything that seems to be lacking in life and business, it seems to always come down to good communication. So it just links you up with people of like mind. Right. So you join in with groups that you really enjoy. So, uh, so far, 47 people. I welcome you all to the Wiggly Wigglers group and hopefully there'll be more. Yes. And you can send messages out to the group. So if we wanted to, we could say the next podcast was up about the pigs or whatever it is. Yeah, and people ask questions. Party at mine the week. Again, exactly. Like is it? That? <laughs> Fantastic. Go to Fine Hope. No, no, don't, 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 no, no. <laughs> Only the, joking. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the whole podcasting, you went to this most amazing thing the day before yesterday, didn't you? And I you did. came back because you often go off and you do loads of things and come back and, and then give us all the sort of the, the lowdown on what you've been up to, yeah. really. Which has really kind of led to this, in, in some respects, led to our, our chat with Rachel Detain. It has, which is coming up next week mm. yes i went to the radio festival which is where the uh, good and the great in radio so whether it's the controllers or the producers or the journalists or the presenters go yeah. and julie there was there jeremy vine there was john snow danny baker uh, what's that man with the funny hairdo oh uh, russell russell brand as jonathan ross yeah. called him one one friday night for to his yeah. misfortune well, but jonathan yeah russell brand yeah, he's he very funny there. isn't he he's very funny well i didn't really know but danny well, baker was absolutely funny. amazingly yeah. funny yeah and he was just talking about the fact that he's got one radio show on the bbc that is rules and regulated and obviously you can't say right. tony blair smells or anything like that 
and he's got one that's a podcast and he can say whatever he wants and he seems to say whatever he wants <laughs> right, right. Okay. and it was just amazing so we got to um, show the weekly podcast on stage to these people and then go on the panel and the power of social media in case you don't know is by the time I got home yeah. the Guardian Unlimited lady Jemima Kiss isn't that a lovely name that's a lovely name yeah Jemima yeah, Jemima. Jemima's a lovely name and Kiss oh, Jim- what a yeah. fantastic surname yeah she was nice anyway Jemima Kiss had blogged about what we'd spoken about and links to the company so yeah. Really good. And the leader of the panel was Rory Kethlin-Jones, right. who's the technology editor for the BBC. He's a great job. So thank you to Trevor Dan, who gave us the opportunity to go there. I had just a whale of a time. Yeah, it was ball, didn't it? so much fun. And also, if you want to catch up with more about what happened at that Radio Canada Academy Festival, there's a thing on Radio 5 Live called Pods and Blogs in the middle of the night, but you can still get it online. And it's produced by Chris Valance. And that goes through most of this day, so right. the highlights. So if, right. you, if you are interested, go and have a look there. But in the meantime, you're just getting away from Facebook. <laughs> so secretly, Jenny Ray has posted up two questions especially for you. So right. here they are. Okay. I shall read them both out. Right. It says, hey, peeps. Hey, peeps. Cool. What's the best fruit and veg to grow in a greenhouse? And also, I have a wormery. And I'd like to know what plants are best treated with worm tea wee. Is it high enough in nutrients for strawberries and tomatoes? Right. So as you haven't answered in Facebook, even though I've invited you to, I'm asking you now and I will put your answer up. Okay. so so two two questions there. Well, I mean, a greenhouse. I haven't got a greenhouse. In fact, Sarah said to me last night, because we were looking at photos of our place before we, and there was a greenhouse there. Hmm. And I took it down. I thought, I'm never going to use this. So I sold it. I'm still glad I sold it, but Sarah said last night, we did have a greenhouse, oh, a couple hundred quid. So uh, so that's fine, because you can literally, you can get, you know, greenhouses for, for a couple of hundred quid, so that's fine. And we could, we could get another one if... For a couple of hundred you know, quid, if I, if I even though you to. had one. So anyway, we got rid of a greenhouse, but what we would like to grow in there, are things like chilli peppers and tomatoes and, and, you know, all those kind of goodies, really. So there's a whole load of stuff you can grow in greenhouses. You can grow your salads, your greens and things like that in there. You, you can, you know, your mixed lettuce and salads and things are absolutely fine. It just accelerates the rate at which stuff grows, really. And for do you starting leave it off in there or do you take it out? It's always confused me because I couldn't be bothered with it. I mean, Hannah yeah. is getting a greenhouse, but right. I always Yes, well, that's right. We're going to have a, green, a greenhouse yeah. here as well, aren't we? Uh, a wiggly greenhouse. So uh, with things like tomatoes, you leave them in there. You make sure that the greenhouse is well aerated, though. So you usually have kind of ventilation um, units in the greenhouse so you can keep those open. So you get a good circulation of air in there and then you get less diseases, mildews and things like that spreading on the plants. That's quite important. When you, a lot of the time when you start things off, seedlings and whatnot, you quite literally start them off in there. You place them out to harden off and then you use them in the, uh, in the wider context of the garden. So generally speaking, it's, it's a mix. It's quite literally something that you use to start plants off so you can get earlier crops, but also something that provides you with... With, with lots and lots of, of, of fruit. Right, I'm going to give you a list and you're going to tell me, because you've just waffled, whether I put them in my greenhouse uh, or not. OK. Ready? Yeah. Cucumber. You can put them in a greenhouse, yep. Yes or no, please. You can grow cucumbers in a greenhouse and some species you can grow outside as well now. It's always complicated. But I would, I would grow, I mean, cucumbers, either or. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the species. Tomatoes? <laughs> Tomatoes uh, in a greenhouse or outside a greenhouse. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. 
French beans. French beans, not in a greenhouse. Runner no. beans, really tall runner beans. Start them off in a greenhouse. You can start them off in your greenhouse a bit first um, before you put them out so it harden up a little bit and then uh, and then plant them out. Start them a bit earlier. French beans as well, you can start off in a greenhouse a little bit. You can get that crop a bit earlier then. The new potatoes. You can grow potatoes in greenhouses. Oh. Um, and, uh, and again, you could start them off a little bit earlier so you've got new potatoes even newer than you would if you planted them outside. Lemons. But you don't, really potatoes, I wouldn't waste your greenhouse space. Lemons. Lemons. Um, well, you can grow lemons in a greenhouse. Yes. <laughs> Certainly in the southern counties now. There's no reason why you perhaps couldn't grow lemons on a south-facing wall. Good Lord. Um, the way our, our temperature seems to be increasing. Grapes. Grapes grow well in greenhouses. Hops. Again, vines outside. Hops. No, hops outside. Definitely not. You could you could probably grow hops in a greenhouse, but you don't need to. Hops Lettuce. grow wild outside. Lettuce, definitely, yep. Strawberries. Strawberries, definitely. You can throw strawberries in greenhouses. Good place to grow strawberries. You get strawberries much, much earlier if you start them off in a greenhouse. Oh, well, leave them in there, obviously. Rhubarb. Rhubarb, they do grow in greenhouses. I've seen rhubarb growing, but you don't need to. Rhubarb is often grown in relatively cool places, you know, quite literally in cellars and grow and then force them so as you get those lovely pink succulent stems very early on in the season. Now, rhubarb, don't bother wasting your Do green. You know, I've just named all these fruits and vegetables. They're tasty, yeah, you're thinking about really lunch. I want <laughs> rhubarb with ice cream and cream. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. The rhubarb is... Oh, I'm bringing bring a load of rhubarb in for folks mm. here, you know, and uh, Ricky's taken them home and made them some... I was kind of secretly hoping that she might make a crumble and bring it in there's Nothing no chance. Happens. I think I've been, been feasting on the whole lot. Right, really. what about this other one? What plants are best treated with worm tiwi? Right. Is it high enough in nutrients for strawberries and tomatoes? Yeah, definitely. It makes a great plant food, generally. You can use it on absolutely anything. You know, it, it stimulates all plant growth, really, and a nice neutral pH. Because we mentioned this before, but worms have, especially red worms, worms with haemoglobin pigment have a calcifying glands. So they quite literally their pee and feces is it tends to be ph neutral so use it on use it on absolutely anything great food for tomatoes and strawberries and things like that much better than buying something in many respects it's very high in potassium so it's really good for fruiting plants has a good nitrogen content as well but one of the beauties of worm we you've mr you've you called for worm leachate is the fact that it's full of uh, little microbial life Rachel and I were talking about this, but you can use it as a, as a, a foliar spray. You can you know, and, and use it to reduce the effects of, of mildew infestations and whatnot on, on various species, asters, Nicholas daisies, things like that. But also, you see, because it's got all that microbial life in there, if you've got a, a soil that's not working well, not performing, not releasing the nutrients adequately, if you use worm wee for that, then that will stimulate the soil health and better equip it to release those nutrients for vegetation growth. Mm. Now, is it going to alter your carbon footprint? Because you've been chasing up Jim Fredrickson. Yes, yeah, well, Jim Fredrickson's coming, coming on to the wiggly sofa in the not-too-distant future. And uh, I'm going to speak to a friend of ours, John Morgan, who, uh, who's, who works in the, the Biological Sciences Department at Cardiff University, written a couple of cracking pieces of work about worms. Lovely bloke. So I'm going to talk to him about uh, how he feels about this. But recently we mentioned the Materials Recycling Week, an article that had been that had been written by somebody else but they used extracts from what Jim Fredrickson had said about worms releasing nitrous oxide. So Jim's going to come in and talk about that and the growth that you get from compost made from worms, the fact that you've taken organic material and instead of throwing it and wasting it 
for incineration or landfill it's being used to nutrify soil and uh, provide nutrient and opportunity for lots of luscious vegetation which of course is responsible for the sequestration of lots of greenhouse gases then uh, you know where's the balance so we'll try and get that balance we'll try and find that balance uh, and that's something that we, we said that wasn't in the article before there now I do hope no you won't make this into an academic technical no no I don't think it will be I don't because think it will some people <laughs> like me we're, won't we're, understand we're, 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 it oh, I'm sure you will but it'll be fun, really, and it'll be in much the same way. Because there's an article, Charles Clover, as environmental correspondent for The Telegraph, wrote that article in The Telegraph as well on Sunday. So he'd picked up from that, because, you know, these things sort of disseminate, don't they, around. And he'd obviously read, perhaps he even read the article in Materials Recycling Week, and he, he wrote about it. And then, of course, on the side of that, for extra effect, they had had how climate change was going to affect Arctic char populations in Windermere. Um, because of various other species competing for food and, and all these kind of things. So it suddenly, so, so, moment, so you it? have, then you have this, this article that says worms are destroying the planet, <laughs> and, then, and, on, and then next to it, you know, something that heightens the fact <laughs> by saying that climate change is going to wipe out all these, you know, prehistoric fishies, which is uh, ridiculous. <laughs> it's news, love, isn't it? News. It is news. Right, yeah. bit of feedback. Sally Getch, rhymes with sketch is a listener in San Francisco. She says, still loving the show. Suggest you name the pigs bacon and ham. And we've got Monty coming up next week who is going to restart his worm cast and turn them into a pig cast. So we've just got one little preview from him this week. Monty's Pig Cast, a weekly fact on pigs. Tamworth pigs like to run around a lot. And on top of that, I've got this email in inviting us to somebody's kitchen to eat pork. Here it is. Hi, Heather. We've just been listening to your podcast about pigs. It was excellent, though personally we would warn against naming anything you're going to eat. Since Emma talking us into getting Berkshire pigs, we've looked into the whole question of how to protect these and other rare species. The problem is that unless pigs are kept for meat they will inevitably die out as they make very impractical pets, eating you out of house and home and digging up your garden. To compound the problem, the modern trend for quickly maturing cheap lean meat means that rare breed pork cannot compete in the mass market. However, Anne and Pete Chanky say, we firmly believe that these slow-to-mature, free-range, walking, snorting, culinary delights should attract a premium from the discerning customer. The trouble is how to educate the general public as to the great value for the money that this pork will offer, despite not being available at supermarket prices. We had this idea. We want to run some catering courses designed to show the large number and wide range of dishes which can be created from one pig. The various cuts of meat and the traditional methods of cooking each cut would be explored and, of course, there would be plenty of tasting. The courses would be run by an expert local chef and there'd be opportunities to purchase the rare breed pork afterwards. Oh, I can already taste it, can't you? Yeah, yeah. We don't have any dates finalised yet, but if any of your listeners are interested, please could they email us on sizzlingsolutions <laughs> at btinternet.com. That's sizzlingsolutions at btinternet.com. And we'll keep them informed of the dates and the venue. Perhaps someone from Wiggly Wigglers would like to come along and do a podcast from the kitchen. Yes. And then she say, hope you don't think it's a bit of a cheek trying to do some market research with your listeners. 
but we really appreciate the feedback and it would be a tasty time. Excellent. <laughs> Isn't that a great idea? It is a great idea, yeah. And that's yeah. from Pete and Anne Chanky, who are in... Um, I think I should definitely go along to that. I, I think that's me, isn't it? <laughs> you had Rachel detained uh, well, to go along to. That's true. Nothing to eat, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to raid your kitchen, I suppose. Anyway, well, maybe it's a, a wiggly trip. A I think, team trip. I think it yeah. could be. Because Michael has to come be. to record it, I suppose. Absolutely. Sounds like a plan. And he can't go anywhere without Mary. Oh dear. So that's the four of us. Like just the four of us. We're going to descend. Of course, Farmer Phil will have to add that genuine farmer outlook. So that's five. So we will be around Anne and Pete. There's no need to have any customers <laughs> for the course. You've got five takers already. Um, I want to know about fruit flies in your wormery. Moving on from tasty fruit. pork <laughs> to uh, yeah, fruit the problem flies in your of fruit flies. Golly, this is the most frequently asked question. Probably, why why do I get so many fruit flies in a wormery? Well, of course. Well, why it, don't you answer it? Really? <laughs> <laughs> the, the fruit flies are uh, can be a little bit of a nightmare. They're not harmful in any way. In fact, they're aiding the whole decomposition process. How? You know? Well, their larvae are in there and they're sort of negotiating their way through that waste and eating it. So they're breaking it down. They're, they're serving a similar purpose to the worms in many respects. But of course, they're attracted to moisture and acidity. If you leave a red wine bottle open, you're going to get fruit flies in there, aren't you? You do. You know, little suckers are going to go in your wine. You look down at your wine glass, fruit yep, fly in there. they are. Swine. But, but, <laughs> but I'm not harmful. But I'm looking at this protein. Harmful, absolutely. You know, when you're going through a cloud of flies and you sort of uh, accidentally inhale a few hmm. uh, and, and have to swallow them as opposed to choking to death, then it doesn't do any harm, do you? But what you can do is reduce the acidity. So get some antacid lime mix. Put a handful of that on religiously, once every couple of weeks. Keeps the pH at a, at a reasonable um, level. A little bit of wood ash. That works a treat. That's, really? Uh, yeah, that, the, the worms don't mind that at all. Or a little bit of topsoil. If you put a little bit of topsoil on there, um, that just stops the fruit flies getting onto the waste. So if you put some waste on a little bit of topsoil, just to, just to have that barrier between the fruit fly and the, and the waste you're putting in there. And another thing I've just tried recently is uh, something called diatomaceous earth, which is a, a white, well, it's like, like it is a white powder, essentially. It's a very highly absorbent clay-like material, I suppose. You can dust it on as it's multifaceted, lots and lots of different uses, but it's great in a wormery to reduce the moisture content. Worms don't mind it at all. Interestingly, it also reduces infestations of lice and mites and things like that. So it's something that can be dusted under chicken wings and put in the hen house to reduce mites and things. So it's, um, yeah, it's a good Will a, this be in the Wiggly catalogue soon, Richard? I think it could be. I think that's a new Wiggly product there. <laughs> um, so that works very well. So there's, a, there's lots of different options, you know, but reduce the moisture, reduce the amount of acidity and the, the, consequently the, the amount of fruit flies will be reduced in a big way. So, next week's show, doo-doo-loo, love is in the air. <laughs> Here's uh, Rachel Detain for is, you, young is. man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good luck with your interview and I look forward to hearing any juicy gossip about you and her. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think there will be her. No. No, I don't think don't there you? will be any. No. no I'm pretty sure that there won't be. <laughs> Oh well, never mind. Okay. Well, it's over and out from me, Heather, on the Wiggly Sofa, in Wiggly Land. Bye. <laughs>